Hot round! Red 7, Red 7, Red 7! Don! What? Red 7! I don't know what Red 7 means. Hot round! I don't. What is hot round? Will you just go stand on the other side, please? Billy Bob! This is it! The man who got us here. You ready? You don't think that lame-ass play where I run down the field and act like I'm lost is gonna work, do you? Then he pivots, fakes, chucks the big bomb halfway down the field to our hopefully still wide-open tailback. I call it the annexation of Puerto Rico. Booyah! That's what we call a sack lunch! Nom, 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 nom. I need that ball. Get me the ball. You need the ball. Get me the ball. Get me the ball. Are you gonna get me the oh, ball? Oh, I'm getting the ball! Get me the ball! I hope he doesn't kill somebody. This is 11 Personnel. I am Nick Roush. He's Adam Luckett, and we're happy to be brought to you today by our good friends at SOAR, drinksore.com. All natural hydration. Get the electrolytes you need while you're cooped up in your house throughout these trying times and support local business made and developed by scientists, athletes, and sports medicine doctors in Lexington, Kentucky. SOAR provides hardworking people with a better hydration hydration solution. Say that five times fast. All natural without preservatives. It's Can't a do it. healthy way to hydrate. All clean and clear. It's flavored with real fruit. There's no chemical additives, no dyes. Proudly made in the USA. Get some of SOAR products shipped right to your home home by visiting drinksword.com. No sugar added. Just enjoy it. It's gluten-free, full of hydration, all the stuff you need to help stay safe and sound during these trying times. Adam Luckett, we've reached a time where it really feels like uh, time is standing still. I mean, back in my day, there was so much toilet paper. People literally used to string it up the trees of their enemies. (laughs) Oh, that was a Mike Leach meme. Oh. Yeah, sorry. We, we, I think this is going to become a new thing for us. What do you think? It's already become a thing for us. Mike Leach memes all day, every day. But unlike uh, any other episode, we're not going to be talking the latest on what's happening in the football world. But we're just going to get a little silly in the show. And then maybe not even silly as much as... Creative content season. Yes. Um, because here's the thing, folks. is bad as it is having to live life without sports, it also allows us to do things that we otherwise normally can't. And it just kind of stir things up a bit. So, what Adam Luck and I did, we have ranked our five favorite Kentucky football games. Now, I want to be clear. These are our personal favorites. These aren't your five best. These are what we deemed to be our favorites and and both of us being under the age of 31 there's obvious ones that aren't going to be on this list you're over 30 you you old man (laughs) not 31 yet (laughs) um i will become football season but yeah so these are going to be recent and Mm -hmm. also it's going to make it more relatable because Mm -hmm. if i told you about my favorite game in the 1980s like sorry honorable mention rich brooks second year i did sit through a game between Two SEC teams that only won two games in the season. Kentucky versus Vanderbilt. Kentucky won on a last-second touchdown. Glenn Holt caught it, 2004. <laughs> and I also sat through one of the Bill Curry years. They played Florida, and Florida won like 65 to nothing. That was my first UK game, Mr. Roush. My so these are going to these games ended a lot happier than 
that game did. My sure. first game was an Auburn game in the 90s, but we don't count that because, like, it was a show up for a half, and I, like, high-five the mascot on my way out. Like, so I, 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 I tell people that my first game was the Alabama game because that was the first time I, like, sat through a whole game. It was oh, yeah. And memorable it was, experience. It was, yeah, it was actually memorable. Whereas the other one, I just remember high-fiving the mascot. Now, so these are our five personal favorites, and – I've already got one that I don't want to leave out, but I have to. So right. I've got a couple too that I had to leave out, but I'm going to have to do it. Number five for me, Adam Luckett, going back to 2002, Kentucky versus the mighty Middle Tennessee State Blue Raiders. You're going to have to explain why, because it, what was that, 70 to seven? Oh, score? they kicked it. Hell out of right. It. I mean, it was an absolute that curb was, stomping. That they was the shit. <laughs> that was the team that went seven and five, but had a bowl ban. Yeah, and lost the LSU game. Everybody knows. So about in two thousand two, I was ten years old, or I turned eleven during that football season, and I think I attended every single game uh, that season. And it was my—I mean, they were—they were my favorite team. We had season tickets, um, and as most of y'all know, that ten to twelve range—it's kind of the peak of your fandom. Gerald Renzen's quarterback, Dickie Wines, or not Dickie Wines, Derek Abney, wide receiver. Artus Pinner was like SEC Offensive Player of the Year. Exactly. They were really good. They were mm-hmm. fun to watch. And that year, the reason why that year was also significant is because my family had uh, season tickets in Section 226, Roll 25, Seats 24 and 25. But that year, that was the first year that my dad and my mom and dad, which, by the way, we I snuck into every single game. Stalemate of my childhood. <laughs> we, mom and dad would go, and I would just sneak in between them because, well, it, folks, it's pretty easy to sneak into these football games, especially when you're a little kid. But that was the first time my parents, they would let me go visit my friends who sat in another section. And I went down to my friend Justin's section. It was down with the, the Ebernses were in section 119, I believe it was. And they were, all, they were pretty close, too. So I was down in the end zone, and... Uh, I I would kind of make my way over there right before half. I'd hang out for a little while. And then if it was a blowout, my parents would just stop by and pick me up on the way out. Or I'd go up and watch the end of the game. We're sitting there, and it's right before half. And we want to we wanna get close to the locker rooms to, like, you know, boo Middle Tennessee State on the way out because that's where their locker room was. And as we're going to walk up front, all of a sudden, a brawl breaks out. People are swinging helmets. Punches are being oh, thrown. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Oh, it was like we you got can a- find it on YouTube. I'm pretty sure. Oh yeah, it's still out there with Rob Bromley on the call, <laughs> and I think Jeff Van Note, Drew you know, Diener. Was yeah, that's what I was about. You know, Drew Diener was on those. He, he's those the late broadcast. He's the one like describing the action as it goes down. Yeah, and Lorenzen goes down, and all of a sudden, all hell breaks loose, and that's exactly what happens. And that was like, that was when I was like, oh man, this is the best team ever. We're gonna win every single game. And I believe in that year they beat Louisville too, which already had you know had everybody juiced up. And then you get to go see, watch them just whack somebody, mm-hmm. and then like literally beat them up. And that was one well, of my favorite. A games little sad story kid. about that season: they opened up with Louisville, and Louisville was like preseason top fifteen. Dave Rag like, won. Yeah, go to they were like it was BCS Bowl or bus. Oh, the Ragone was I yeah. call him Rag One. And that was that was. And they had they were sold. starting a Heisman campaign, and Louisville was selling Dave Ragone bobbleheads. Oh, over the summer. My next door neighbor has has his autograph. Right. He still has it. <laughs> so, in that game, Kentucky had a really good defense line. Like, Dwayne Robertson ended up being a top five pick. Jeremy Cottle was good. Jeremy Cottle had three sacks in that game? 
I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, in that game, they just they hit we're going on every play. <laughs> yeah, much. it was awesome. Beat the crap out of them. Beat Louisville. It was a big upset at the time. Twenty-eight, and, twenty. And then someone came out with a bobblehead, a mock bobblehead of Vergone, but it was beat up Dave Vergone. It had like black eyes on it, bandages around his head, <laughs> and so oh, that was that was, awesome. that was peak. That was one of the peak rivalry moments that people really don't talk about. Oh, two. One game that I did not attend in person. I was happy I didn't. Was the Bluegrass Miracle? Yeah, I was that, there for that one. That one was bad. That one sucked. But. A great game was when Abney broke the mm-hmm. or he tied the record for return touchdowns. Yeah, against South Carolina, I think it was, or Mississippi State. It was Mississippi State, but it was the next year, I think. I think it was oh three. Was it? Because it was at home, and they. Oh, here, let's look this up. Because could be right. I, I remember. I remember the maroon team, and what I remember most though is that you had. Uh, I remember it was a Jeff- Jefferson Pilot game. Oh yeah, it was his JP game in the last seven yards. Yeah. He like gets stood up, and there's like a stalemate. That was all three when he broke it. The and next the guys year. all kind of they they, they did they the pushed push, him they in. did the bush push right. and pushed him in. Right, that was incredible. And, and one other thing I'd like to point out that like, actually no, I'll say I'll save this for later. I'll save that for later. I'll, I'll mention that later. But that was my that was number five on my moments. That was my young. Uh, I, I had to throw that one in there and give that game some love because there was a lot of Kentucky games when we were younger too where. It was what much fun. It, it was blowouts one way or the other. Right. You're either getting your ass kicked or you're kicking the other team's ass. Mm-hmm. So the the other kind of side stuff was as much entertaining as anything. Else. Mine was another tape delay broadcast. Okay. I'm going back to 06. Oh. Kentucky. It's first Saturday in November. They're two weeks off of just getting blistered at LSU. Forty nine nothing. They pick up a big win at Mississippi State, but it was a bad Mississippi State team, so people weren't really buying Sylvester in yet. Kroom, right. they got fired that year. I believe they're they're four and four going into this game. They have some winnable games left on the schedule when you looked at Vanderbilt and Louisiana Monroe at home after that, but it felt like they needed a big win. Brooks needed a big win. So they're playing Georgia. Matthew Stafford, Mark Rick, who we talked about in the previous podcast. Mm-hmm. Georgia's favorite, obviously, is 1 p.m. kickoff. This was pre – no, this was the year with Sean Moreno and A.J. Green, correct? I think it was pre the big Moreno year. Okay. They had another running back in there. Um, but anyway, they had Stafford, I remember. It was a comeback win. Kentucky was down. They came yep. back in the fourth quarter. This game, I don't know if you remember, Georgia ran a jailbreak screen, and Myron Pryor read it. And just it, just – like the stadium had to stop for twenty minutes. They had to bring out a stretch. He, the guy ended up being fine, but he knocked the <laughs> crap out of him. So I remember that, and I just remember the comeback. And they they score late, and then they get the Trevar Lindley interception. Man, and then Tra- the goalpost. That was the last time the goalpost came down. And I remember that was at that game. Trevar Lindley is he is a running back or not? Excuse me, a cornerback who. Didn't like his numbers aren't like like he's not in a bunch of like the record book all over the place surprisingly but he was really good at making interceptions in big moments because he had that one and then yeah, he had the LSU. one uh, yeah and he had that against LSU and then he had one in the bowl game where it was like a one hand behind the, yes it was insane in yes. 06. stopped a touchdown and if you remember 07 at Arkansas the game they won beat McFadden and Houston Nutt it was early in the season. That was the game they were. They got ranked, yeah, but then right, they were an right. underdog at Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Before halftime, he had a scoop and score for a touchdown. He's big play guy, man. right? Big so he play made guy. he made some really big plays. I think Moreno was on that team. He was drafted. I think he might have been a red shirt fresh or red shirting that year. Yeah, yeah, because he he got. Here, drafted let's look it up. Nine. We'll look it up right quick. What? I'll oh, see who was on, on that team. team. 
He, I mean, yeah, he was on it, but I don't know his stats. If you look up the I'm gonna look, that. I'm going to pull up Georgia's college football reference. You can pull up pretty much any team with their stats. The, it's a I beautiful was, website. I was trying to figure out some of the games, the actual box scores right. for an exercise. Yeah, see, he, he was redshirting then because Craig Lumpkin was our leading rusher. Lumpkin, that sounds like such Let's a Let's see who some of their game. receivers were. Their best receiver was a guy, but let's see. No, it looked like it was pretty balanced. Uh, Martez Miller, Muhammad Masakoy. Masakoy? Yeah. He that, was good. He was I, a stud. I believe A.J. Green was a freshman the next season in 08, I believe. So it would have been – Or all two years later in 08. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, that one's just one I remember. And, and then they, they rolled – that win allowed them to close the season really strong. They won out, and they they were really they were this close to beating Tennessee. They had a bunch of red zone trips that came short. They really should have won that game, but it didn't go and beat Clemson in the Music City Bowl. But it really started that that nice Rich Brooks run we saw from '06. Yeah, and it, it really was from that win forward. I got to admit though, look, that's one game I did not attend, and I have like almost no memories of because it was a JP delay game. Yeah, it was uh-huh. tape delay. I remember Drew Diener was the sideline reporter. They were going down to him while people were. Tearing down the goalposts. Last time they and I believe some people have told stories where they were watching the game at somebody's house. And just and they run over and, and just ran. run over and ran in the stadium I, as soon as the buzzer hit. I knew somebody that – I had a couple friends who did that for the South Carolina game when mm-hmm. finally beats Burger. The first time. Yeah, 20 first 10. time. The uh, Mike Hart line. That was actually – hell, I should have added that to my list because that was the last – That one's up there. I, it's not on mine either. That, that was, was the last one. time I sat in the student section. Um, and – I actually, I, I, I was pretty overserved that day, and we had really close seats. It was when you could get, buy season tickets online, so I was like ninth row. And I kept like stumbling back and bumping into my buddy and knocking him down. And it was because I was overserved. The ushers thought he was the one that was overserved, and so they hauled him out of there, and he ended up having to get bailed out of jail. <laughs> I was like, oh, thanks for biting that bullet, Sean. Okay, my number four. Right around the same time period you were at, 2007. Battle for the Governor's Cup. The Cats take down the cards. Stevie gets a loose. And the reason why, like, obviously this is a game that, like, everybody, like, Stevie got loose is just, you, that's all you got to say. But this was one of those that meant a little bit more to me because, folks, I've, I, I, I'm in a Louisville family. I, when I go to family reunions, I'm the UK guy that everybody dogs. And at the time, they were the like you have to tell the story right because when you look back on it now, that Louisville team ended up they stunk. But at the time, Louisville won the Orange Bowl right three games ago. They were top ten. Brian Brom was a Heisman contender. He was on the cover of Sporting News. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think Sports Illustrated. They have they were supposed to have one of the best offenses in college football. They brought everybody back. They had Harry Mm -hmm. Douglas, who was. I mean, he played in the NFL for a long time. Arudi was their big guy, and Gary Barnage was their tight end. He played for a long time. You had yeah, stable backs. Anthony Allen was a big recruit for them. I Bruh. believe Lionel Gates. Well, I mean, think about their offensive line. Eric Wood just retired. He was there for like 10 yeah. years. Bruno Giacomini won a Super Bowl with Seattle, I believe. And they had, the, I believe, LaFue maybe. or There was a kid from like – Danville, who was really good, I believe it. Their their last the year before they didn't have him on this team. He was, remember you Willie know, A. Williams? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But they were really good, and and Brian Brom is my first cousin. He's the quarterback of the other team, so the entire time I'm wanting to cheer for Kentucky, but we're meeting up with the family beforehand. So what do I do? I have a white Louisville T-shirt that just has like a Louisville on it that. 
I wear to the tailgate. Now, I wear this shirt to the tailgate because when you're 16 years old in the mid-2000s, you always wore a white t-shirt underneath your regular shirt. And in fact, you wanted to have a good shirt too, like because you wanted to show the collar, that like white part of it. It had to, there had to be just that little white brim around your kind of collar. So as soon as I got out of there, I put on my blue shirt and then went and sat next to my friends who were in that end zone. Oh yeah. Stevie gets loose like right in front of us. Mm-hmm. And buddy brain, we're rushing the field, damn it. And that last play happens and people start to rush the field. Well, Harry Douglas caught the ball. I know. And he's about 10 yards away from getting the end zone. And I'm like, I'm worried. I'm pausing. Fly, like, having flashbacks. Yeah. yeah. It feels like the Bluegrass Miracle <laughs> yeah. all over again. Instead, what I do, I finally, it, you hear the crowd erupt. I take off, and I almost ran into my cousin while he's walking off the field. Season in ruin. Top 10 team in the country. They're down. And I'm going nuts wearing my Kentucky blue shirt. My Kentucky blue shirt. Had the time of my life. This is the first time I'd ever rushed the field. It was just a thrill unlike any other. Absolutely amazing. You're, you're, I mean, I think the coolest part about rushing the field too, like, is that you can just like drill dudes in their shoulder pads and you know that nothing matters. And you kind of feel like you're with mm-hmm. the team. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely exhilarating. And then, and then once it's over with too, I, I take that blue shirt, I tuck it in my back pocket, and I'm like, oh, man, sorry about that, Brian. You know, it was a, a tough loss. <laughs> I think I eventually told him that story like two or three years ago. But that was that was an all-timer for me, one I will never forget, at number four. Adam Luckett, who is up number four uh, for you? My number four is 2016, Kentucky versus Louisville. Now, every other game on my list I, I attended, I believe, but this one was the one I didn't attend. I watched it from home, but I regret it. Oh, because you didn't have faith in the Cats like it, did you? I'll tell you what I did the night before. Me and my cousin looked up. We were like, I think we got a decent chance tomorrow to win the game. Let's look up what this money line is, see if we can put a bet in. Unfortunately, that's oh. when I learned money lines, they cut them off at 17. Oh, so you uh, so you didn't oh, well, oh <laughs> man that's so, brutal so that that didn't happen so anyway the game happens and we all know the game Lamar fumbles everybody listen to this has a recent memory of what happened in that game and it was just it was a huge win and I think for Stoops it was a big win to prove he could they could win a game like that against top notch competition at that point and there was really a like that we knew that Stoops was a good recruiter. And we knew that things were kind of going in the right direction. But there was still – the jury was out, is Mark Stoops a good coach or not? Mm-hmm. And to pull off an upset like that, in to do it in a fashion in which Louisville punches Kentucky in the jaw right away. We remember the I love this shit play from Steven Johnson. Mm-hmm. Well, Louisville had scored on the series before that. And what does Kentucky do? They respond. They, they deliver a haymaker on the following play. And uh, – I'm not gonna like that. That 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 was very validating win, and it really started momentum for the next three years. Right. Um, I gotta say though, like it, that was the one that I had as my honorable mention that mm-hmm. just missed the cut because I felt like hell that game. I was very sick. I don't know what it was, but I was too in much the, turkey. I was in the press box um, upstairs in like the third row. The stomach was kind of out of it, but I was like, all right, I gotta power through. Adrenaline really kicked in in that second half, and. Whatever I was feeling bad, it went away, and 
the thing that was most frustrating about that is that I was like sprinting downstairs to try to get video of like, you know, them celebrating on the field. But it was cold out and I had my pass tied to my jacket. And I didn't have my jacket on. They wouldn't let me on the field because oh, I didn't man. have my press pass. So I had to go all the way back up, all the way back down. That was a pain in the ass, but it was still cool, like the aftermath in yeah, the locker you know, room. Four four touchdown underdogs. And then all the videos that came out, like the what's that song? Oh, Meek uh, Mill, Dreams and Nightmares. Dreams and Nightmares. That that I still get fired up for that. Right. You have Lamar Thomas crying afterwards, like mm-hmm. on the sideline. Dudes are smoking cigars. That was the, the birth room. of the L's down too. Yeah, and it had been around, but that really just like cranked it up right. to like thirty. And that was also that was before the game. I think uh, Sports Center used my video of the Louisville band playing at the catwalk. Mm-hmm. Like, oh yeah, Louisville, I forgot about that. Louisville, Bobby Petrino was like, "We're gonna beat their ass," and they're not even gonna think about it. And it got turned up on their head. I know. <laughs> and the fight. Well, no, that was two years ago. The fight that was, that was two right. years prior to that. Right. But then afterwards, I, I felt like hell, but I was like, I got to go to the bars after this. I don't mm-hmm. care. And we're at a karaoke bar, and little fans are drunk, seeing it hurt, uh, hurt so good. <laughs> like, it was it was perfect. It was absolutely perfect. Um, but that that's a good one, it, it, even though you weren't there for it. Just like the, the Georgia one's a good one, even though I wasn't there for mm-hmm. it. I did write down one thing I wanted to mention. Um that I forgot with that 07 game. This it, it didn't happen for this game, but in 2007, my friends and I, this was the dawn of the catwalk in 07, and we came up with, we figured something out pretty early on. They didn't really have any security back then. Now they've got the ropes and the barricades. Well, we just would act like we were part of the team, and we're 16 years old. And my friends would just keep walking, keep walking. So we would walk in with the team with catwalk uh, to the point that when the guys would go onto the field to do their like throwing around like an hour before kickoff, sometimes we were the guys that were in there throwing before kickoff. <laughs> and what, like after a while, you know, I'm all for sneaking in, but I would eventually kind of get cold feet and like, all right, time to go get into our seats. One of my buddies lasted an entire quarter before somebody was finally like, where's your pass at? And they asked, you know, Who are you, dude? Yeah, then, then, then they made him leave the field. But, hey, you know what? Security a little bit tighter now at the Kroger Field. I don't think you can just go walking in with the team anymore. Yeah. Don't try that at home, folks. 2000, was it 07? Yeah, it was 07. 07 was weird. Yeah, it was a fun time. All right, Adam Luckett. Uh, you went with your number three, my number three. Well, that, that was my number four. The, okay. I'm behind you. But, okay. yeah, we're good. You'd go for your number three. My number three? Mm-hmm. 2018 at Missouri. Yeah, that one didn't make my list, but it was close. So just for the ending, it was the ending. There, for me, there was a lot more to it because if you all recall, there was a lot of you all that were very mad at me going into that game, and it's because I called a bunch of you a bunch of idiots because you all were you were being foolish morons who were wanting to bench Terry Wilson for Gunnar Hoke or Danny Clark. That's stupid. That's the dumbest shit I ever heard. Pardon my French. That was stupid. And so I, I put together a long thought out thing. It was like, hey, um, folks, if you if you can't enjoy success now, they've lost one game. And your quarterback played poorly at Texas A&M. But they had lost one game and were in the top 25. And people, they were doing the thing that Georgia football fans do, well, where they, they, they get their offensive coordinator fired when they have a good thing going. In our next segment of the podcast, we're going to get into why I think Kentucky fan base is kind of like that. Yeah, and 
There's a good reason for it. It's because we got spoiled 20 years ago with quarterback play. But my general sentiment going into that game was like, if you all just relax them, this is going to be fun. And you know what? For three quarters, I was eating crow. It was doom and gloom. Well, the offense wasn't doing a damn thing. If you go back and watch that game, though, they were moving the ball with Terry at quarterback. Like, and his numbers were good. They were getting to like the 40, then yeah. somebody commit a holding penalty. But false start. They put they panicked and they put Hoke in there, and then that's when things really got bad. So they and they burned two drives, and then it, Danny Carr I'm, fumbles on the third down. I'm very much of the belief if Terry gets those four possessions that he missed or whatever it was in the game, Kentucky yeah. probably scores on two of them, and that's it's enough to win the game. But even despite all of that, Kentucky's defense in the second half, they were in the zone. They were on fire, oh, NBA yeah. Jam style. Drew Locke, a guy who I think is actually going to end up being like the first good draft pick John Elway's had at quarterback, that offense was really good. That's before Derek Dooley went and, mm-hmm. you know, laid a double. That was a top it. ten offense in college football. They were rolling, and Kentucky forced ten straight three and outs. And what happens the last five minutes – were the most incredible. I I went down on the field, and then went like or I was on my way down to the field just because I was like, screw it, this game's not worth it anyway. Y'all can handle it. And then Bowden, new life for the Wildcats. He subs himself in. Mm-hmm. Insanity ensues, and the Kentucky wins on a last second play to C.J. Conrad, a walk off on an untimed down. Mm-hmm. And I don't think my Wagner started I mean, the pi. I mean Flagner. Start of that day. How many games – like, we see buzzer beaters in basketball. When do you see walk-offs in football? Oh, hardly ever. I mean, only in overtime, really. Mm-hmm. And that was – If you're counting that. And you – like, they had to do that. Like, because they were down by four, right? It was uh, uh, 14 to 10? Yeah, 14-9. Because they, they went, went for, for two, two and missed it. Didn't get it. So, it's 14-9. So, they got to score a touchdown. Mm-hmm. And then that happens. Oh, I mean, it just – well, not only that, what that play meant, it meant Kentucky was going to host Georgia next week for the SEC East title. I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was, yeah. It was absolutely insane. And, and then, it, obviously, we know the story didn't end well, but just that week, oh, I think that week man. in general for Kentucky football fans was just that was the week that we've been, heaven on earth. Exactly. That was the week that we've been hoping and praying for for years. Just to have a chance. And then you had Stoops celebrating. Like, the celebration on the field right. was crazy. And the way that Missouri st- set up – like, the, 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 the wall is only about three feet if you run up this hill. So, like, Lonnie Johnson, he's got the little Luke Clausen kid who's got cystic fibrosis right. that's been with the team. He's on his shoulders with Luke. Uh, you've got, like, Jordan Jones, like, hugging, dapping people up in the stands. Like, it was insane. And then they go to the locker room, and Mo Bama's playing, and Stoops crowd surfs. Mm-hmm. And breaks the ceiling. Like, yeah. oh, I just, after that was over with, I, you know, pure adrenaline once again. It was Halloween night. And I remember when the game time came out, I was like, well, maybe I can get home in time for the Halloween party. No, I blogged my ass off, got on the road, drove through the night, and I listened. Is that five hours? Yeah, it, it, it's it's about four and a half, give or take. Like, if you're doing, you know, 100 in the middle of nowhere, Indiana, at two in the morning, like, nobody knows. But it's a little bit longer. That that drive to St. Louis is deceptively long. So it's probably about four and a half-ish or so, give or take. Gotcha. But I turned on that post-game show, and Stoops drops two. He got dumped twice. Oh, like, yeah. Yeah, I remember. Gonna jump there, you know, and all this stuff. And I, it was on podcast, so I got to hear it all. And it was just, honestly, if not for, like, that was my favorite game of the year, if not for what happened a few uh, weeks before. Mm-hmm. 
Well, so. we'll get to that one in a second. Oh, yeah. We're going to get to that one. You're number three, Adam Luckett. My number three, this is my first road trip win as a fan. Oh, man. And that's another aspect of that Missouri game is on the road. Mm-hmm. Win on the road is. And this also ended up being Stoops' first road win. 2015 Ooh. at South Carolina, the game that ended Steve Spurrier. Oh, officially. man. The dagger. And first off, South Carolina fans, it's, they're rough, man. That, that They're rough. That game in particular, because that was when there were a couple South Carolina ladies who were getting into it with people at the catwalk. Mm-hmm. The security had, like, cut off the walkway, and they were, like, fighting people. <laughs> right. I have a comparison. I want to see if you agree. South Carolina is the SEC version of Louisville. Stadium. Right by the fairgrounds. fairgrounds. It's nothing but asphalt. Oh, yeah. Concrete. They got the little cabooses, too. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. (laughs) They show up. They have a student section. I'll I'll just draw this up for you all. There's just empty lots kind of everywhere. I mean, it's just a fairgrounds. Yeah. So it's like empty, just think of empty lot, empty lot that once a year gets filled with booze, carnival rides, whatever. Yeah, it's yeah. And one of them, they have it chained up, and this is like a fifteen foot fence blocked in. It is where the stu- like it's their student section. So envision the bowl at Lexington that's no longer existent, but where everybody used to tailgate. They just have that, but it looks like they're in like a prison yard, <laughs> just tailgating. It's where they, it's it's like West Virginia's in the pit, where they like just. Throw them in yes. there like a bunch of animals. Yeah. So like, I just felt like I was going to game at Louisville the whole time, and so they're they're talking smack the whole time. All their fans. So we go to the game, and Kentucky jumps out on them. It was what like twenty four to three, and really kind of thumps them. If they, if they come out and keep it up in the second, really Kentucky should have won that game in blowout fashion. Mm-hmm. South Carolina makes a quarterback change. They come back, they get a score. They they going for two to tie it. You have the Denzel Ware scoop and score. Oh, man, then, that was awesome. Then Chris Westry makes the interception and then fumbles. Pharaoh Cooper was – He was on that team. Good. Mm-hmm. And the, the, they went Wildcat with him on that two-point play, and that's when he yes, fumbled it? Yeah, I, I believe so. Yeah. Westry, he didn't fumble that pick, though, did he? I think they – it was close. They caught him down, and they reviewed it, and it kept the call. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. Because that was, his, that was but, freshman Westry, mm-hmm. too, and we were mm-hmm. and Kentucky, real hype for him. Kentucky won – yeah, the hype was off the charts. And then Kentucky won the game – but they didn't even they didn't know what to do after the game, so they just ran in the locker room instead of like running over the <laughs> fan section. It was the first road win in like four years, right, or six or something. First road SEC win in like six years. Mm-hmm. I think since '09. I think '09 was the last road SEC win. Man, I mean, and when you get those wins on the road, it there's nothing like it. Mm-hmm. Especially going to the bars afterwards and people just like mean mugging well, the hell out. And of you. then I learned that night that South Carolina. They close the bars at like 1 a.m. on Saturdays. Because they're scared. <laughs> scared of Kentucky fans coming there and raising <laughs> hell. And that wasn't the Grove Street game, but what did they do in the – they did something. The locker room video was pretty lit, though, after that. There was another good locker room video that yep. John Clay got on his iPad. I think Matt was the one that got that and posted that. Maybe it wasn't Matt. Yeah, he didn't video it. They let him in, yeah. but John Clay had like – Yeah, yeah the door. it was John Clay. Yeah, right. now they are, I remember that now. Oh. I think Matt was in the video. You could see him. Oh, man. That was a great win. All right, my number two. I think that was the Grove Street. I think that's when Grove Street took off. No, Grove Street was, was at home because that was the kickoff that was playing that song. Uh, when they were, when oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the year before. I think they played Grove Street though after that game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That's what it was. All right, my number two. Actually, I don't think this is my number two anymore. 
I don't know. You you go number two. You go. My number two is actually. Two. Yeah, I'm gonna go number two. <laughs> you sure? Yeah, no? yeah. Well, because here's the thing. These next two, like one of them is obvious recency bias, but uh, okay. I'm just going number two, beating Florida at the swap. The only reason why it's not number one is because that's my number one, by the way. So I was in physical pain from like that experience, like my body, the the anxiety it went through. Like I, not, nothing's ever gonna come close to that. Plus game. the heat. God, and crazy. outside press box, right? Florida. Yeah, outside press box. It rained earlier in the day, I believe. It was humid as hell. But like, you all don't under like I. Yeah, they say I'm sitting on my butt my whole job, but like, the, I was cramping afterwards. I was so dehydrated, and like, the physical and emotional toll it took on my body, absolutely wrecked me. Whereas my number one game, I actually enjoyed that experience the whole way through. But it's probably going to be the one game I tell my grandkids about most, which is beating Florida at the swamp. Is it had everything like it? It was. It's your number one. We'll just you know, lay all of our cards on the table. Were, were, did, did, were you at the swamp for this game? No, I was in Louisville. Uh, Went to a big watch party though, so that was fun to experience with a lot of people. This, the thing that while was, I was live blogging, back thing, when I could get in the live blog. <laughs> <laughs> the thing about this game too is like, uh, at the time people were like, "Oh, Florida's not going to be that good this year." Oh yeah, they were good, and also that stadium was nuts for a lot of that game. Like, this wasn't a well. It was Mullen's first SEC home game in yeah. Florida. And people were fired up. Um, the place was packed. I remember just being so angry at the start of the day because you couldn't get around anywhere around town because there were so many people out and about. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way the game unfolded, Kentucky hit him early with some big punches and kind of was just holding on. Uh, and then that damn drive, that 99-yard drive where there was like a third and 27 that they got. Mm-hmm. And then there was another really big play. Mike Edwards drop pick six. I mean, you thought that the game was over. Like you're like, we've seen this before. They're gonna, it's it's not gonna happen. Yeah, I mean that game was this close by just. I mean, for you all listening at home, I, my thumb between my index finger between my thumb just barely of double digit win for Kentucky going the other way. It, they just couldn't get it to go that but way. You know who could close it out for him? Defensive player of the year. Mm-hmm. Well, before that, they got Florida scored, and there's only. Three minutes left or whatever. Yeah. Benny Snell grinds out some first downs. Well, I'm talking before that when Josh tipped the pass. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Three-point conversion. Yeah. that would have made it a – Three-point game. Yeah. It's 21-16. Yeah. 27-16 final after the the scooping the score. score. But, like, just to tip that pass, they did the little ESPN tracer following Allen's footsteps, mm-hmm. and he just, like, saw a dude in That's the That's the play that you saw on Oz draft tapes. Yeah, because it's like, how does that guy cover that much ground? Mm-hmm. Makes that play. Um and then Benny, he chewed up, what, three or four first downs? I believe it was three, and they had to waste all their time out. So they they got the ball back with 95 yards to go with really, like, I think it was like 35, 40 seconds. Yeah. Absolutely insane. Mm-hmm. Um, and then to end it, you get a Josh stripping sack, which was absolutely appropriate. It was a very weird ending. Yeah, because perfect Kentucky football fashion. You oh, got to yeah. end it weird. Perfect way yeah, to go I out. Mean, that was my number one. Just, I mean, it ended the streak, and to do it. Like to a good Florida team on the road, like there was no flukes about it. It was just a, they just straight up beat them. And they ran for what was it three hundred? Yeah, they ran five rushing yards. They ran for over three hundred yards. Terry Wilson had a, it was like a coming out party for Terry Wilson. I think a lot that of people throw, got on his bandwagon. He had to Lynn Bowden. Mm-hmm. Huh. Huh. 
And then after the game, to give the ball to John Sharman, like that that picture. Yeah, it's a good picture. It's, oh, man. Um, hell, just the journey video, too. Pop that journey video on right now and tell me I'm getting fired up. I only put it in number two because I was a wreck. I, I only pulled over and cried on my way home. I was an emotional wreck. Like four hours of sleep. Yeah. Driving 16 hours home. It was awesome. Your it number. Was, we waited on it for a long, long time. And you know what? Some people waited on it longer than me. I never saw it. It delivered. My number one. My number two yes. was LSU, Kentucky, 07. Obvious reasons. <laughs> Beat the number, had the, hosted the number one team. It was the biggest game in college football that day. Yeah, college game day was in town. Well, it came in town the next week. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. That's but right. if you won, you were getting college game day. And if you won that, like Kentucky thought they were going to win the SEC and go to that, like compete for a national championship. You were probably at UK too. My you? freshman year. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So, of course, that's your number one. It's got to be. Mm-hmm. Oh. Watching the student section rush the field. And just like, I mean, it was just a big boy, big league college football game. Just two really good teams trading blows. Mm-hmm. And Kentucky just had, they landed a couple more punches than LSU did. That was another uh, sneak in game for me, too. Mm-hmm. Didn't have a ticket. We were watching from the uh, end zone, uh, like the, the, not the upper deck, but like, you know, that kind mm-hmm. of standing around area up there. I was just pacing throughout mm-hmm. overtimes. And the, the worst part of it is if you weren't like we were in the end zone, so we couldn't tell if they if they stopped them or not. It was it was obviously short. Like if you were watching on television, there, even at the stadium, there was a delay reaction to it. And it's because we're just Kentucky football fans, and like I think just the shock. I think yeah, I think the shock <laughs> uh, like everyone like oh. they're just waiting to wake up, look around. <laughs> oh man! And I re- I went back and watched this game. I think it was when UK Takeover in July on the SEC Network they played it. Yeah. Which they're doing now. I don't know if you know. It's uh, Saturday or last Saturday because we recorded this uh, a week ago. Right. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, anyway, they the guy had a sign in the crowd. It said, Billy G can wait. As in Billy Gillespie. As in Kentucky's new hire basketball. <laughs> And I, I saw that sign, and that just made me crack up. So I was like, man, had things changed. Oh, God. Man, they really have. And, of course, the the field storm, it's just pandemonium. That's a good one. That's a really you know, that good one's, one. Now, if Kentucky, like, it can be top, but it's going to be hard. It's going to have to be kind of like we'll win the SEC East. For being completely honest, my number three is probably going to end up being my number one like a long time from now because of just the unbelievableness of it. Um, but my number one for right now. It's all recency bias. And that's the 2019 Belk Bowl. And some of it is, uh, in my case, is like I, this was the first time. I guess, I guess the. No, I even had some uncertainty in that Penn State game. There was only one play in this entire Belk Bowl against Virginia Tech that I thought Kentucky would, like had a chance at losing. And that was the fourth and seven that Josh Ali caught, about six inches above the turf. Oh, yeah. There's a, there's a, that play, like, I had full confidence that entire game that Lynn Bowden was going to do something well, incredible and go down and win the football. Especially that drive. I knew that – I felt good that, that drive. Yeah. That they were going to – there well, was plenty of time. They, they had a timeout minutes. in their back pocket. In it was also – I just – I didn't want them to give Virginia Tech enough time. <laughs> yeah, you didn't and I don't think Mark Stoops soon. did either. Right, right. Well, and that, yeah. I, I was one of many people who were like, all's going according to plan. Like, there's, you know, <laughs> like, I wasn't one of those freaking out about rushing. Uh, 
making it ha- hey why aren't you taking the timeout why aren't you doing this why is it, the clock still running it was like okay this is going according to plan that fourth down i was worried for a second but this game had a lot it had your your fighting which i'm is well documented big fan of fights um i'm a big fan of run the damn ball and the overall tell your grandkids kind of story that time a receiver played quarterback and this just kind of validated if there were any doubters anymore, like Kentucky football's for real and it's here to stay for a while, folks. If you can win like they won this year, beating good teams, Virginia Tech's a well respected program, and in the Bud Foster Memorial game, they ran the ball down his damn throat. They did it all in front of a big stadium. And I also like this is probably the only game I'll watch with my wife. She was sitting next to me in the press yeah. conference. And that was just cool. It was a it was a very grown up moment for me, and it, and it felt like I'd finally kind of you know it, it come full circle. Um, so that was a cool experience. Got to share with her, and then I was on the field when Josh Ali caught the touchdown pass, which you can't write a better ending than that. It was everything you wanted in the ball game. <laughs> yeah, you couldn't ask for the more. The back and forth was just awesome. Of course, we've expre- we've gone over my experience during that game. Yeah, yeah. which the- was awful. <laughs> <laughs> But, like, hell, even the big hits in the stadium or the whole stadium. I mean, it was like you talking about that Georgia game where you had the, ooh. Mm-hmm. Like, I know fans yeah, remember I know. that, that Tim Corker ooh. was that heat-seeking missile. Had one mm-hmm. on punt return. And it, it was just an awesome, awesome, like, it was a game we would, like, that was an awesome game. We had no interest if we were just sit down and watch oh, yeah, a random yeah, game. Yeah, watch uh, Auburn versus uh, Penn State and in a bowl game. Oh, yeah. Belk Bowl, rest in peace. If you go back and look. That was kind of what the Belk Bowl did. They had these exciting games, except for Will Muschamp, who got shut out in a Belk Bowl. R.I.P. Not Will Muschamp, the Belk Bowl. But, you know, dead man walking. But that one, that one was on my honorable mention list. Some yeah, other ones I had on there. Mention. 2016 Mississippi State, Kentucky. Well, was probably the biggest win for Mark Stoops. Man, I think 18 Mississippi State's underrated game as well, just because it's a slobber knocker. Mm-hmm, that one, yeah. That yeah. Benny Snell was an absolute 2014. South Carolina versus Kentucky. We're just getting started, bro. Yep, yep. Uh, My, and then 18, Kentucky versus Missouri was on there. Uh, I, I, 97, yeah. Alabama, couch to yeast. I was too young to really comprehend it, but still. Right. Huge moment in the program. Mm-hmm. Um, that was another tape delay game. Yeah, yeah. And they had the old Wildcat. The, 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 it had a cool logo on top of the scoreboard, though. So when you see that old picture, you see the, the Wildcat with the UK and the football in it. That's cool. Yeah. Bring I like it back. The, I like the personalized logos for each team. Louisville Cardinal Bird, the Duncan Cardinal Bird, and the Heisman Cardinal. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Those are. Very it's the best cool. thing that school does. Yeah. The only good thing that school does, as a matter of fact. Uh, speaking of the 90s, let's have a discussion, Adam Luckett, about what happened at the University of Kentucky back in 1997. Guy by the name of Hal Mummy. Gunslinger from Valdosta State, Sam Newton. I believe, yeah, Sam Newton made that hire. Yes, he did. Yeah, because Mitch Barnhart's first hire, I think, was Rich Brooks. Yeah, yeah. Um, Sam Newton sees this guy, D2 guy who's putting up crazy numbers, scoring points, and I believe he had just come off of a Division II title. Or at least appeared in the title. Let's look it up here. I should have looked it up before. From Valdosta, like you said. Yeah. By by way of, I believe they read Iowa Wesleyan before landing at Valdosta State. 
He lost in the Division Two quarterfinal in 1996. Okay, well, that's either here or there. 40-17-1 in five seasons down there in South Georgia in the Gulf South Conference. Pretty solid resume. And when Hal Mummy's hired by CM Newton, they're bringing – it's basketball on turf. Yeah. Points, points, points. We're going to do football unlike any other school in the Southeastern Conference. They're playing defense and running the football. We're going to throw it. Bill Curry in the option – those days are done. We've got Tim Couch here, the best passer in high school football, one of our state's best. We're going to make the most out of him. I think some of that hire was made mostly with Tim Couch in mind because as, as Couch has said publicly multiple times, he was going to go to Tennessee. I, I think, too, there was probably a lot of let's entertain people before basketball gets here. Because why do you, I mean, like, think about it. They hired a Division two head coach. Yeah. Like they like if they hired a division two if Mark Stoops left tomorrow and they hired a division two head coach, yeah, we would get on here and raise a lot of hell. Yeah, exactly. So So I mean it was a different time, obviously. And it was also like the way that that kind of shows you CM Newton's attitude towards football. Yeah, and, and that's it, been talked over a lot. I think most people realize that now and there's a lot of people who don't want his name on that in that stadium and I, yeah. I think they have a point. Yeah, they 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 do make a good point. And Right away, it becomes a blast, um, but not exactly a success on the, the the in the record books right away in that nineteen ninety seven well, season. They beat Alabama, which big win. Um, and you have to think the year before and the years of the Curry it was just boring football. And this is just—I mean, it was brand new. It was like a video game. People just weren't used to it. They were. Spreading it out and throwing the ball a bunch and scoring points and playing the siren. And oh it, man, and the siren! For the first time in people's lives, Kentucky football was fun. I see. And so people got all like we're all in on it. Beat I, beat Louisville his first game. Yeah, I remember that game mm-hmm. because that was back when people would put chairs on top of their cars to just to as like a signal for where your tailgate was. And somebody did that, and they wrapped a mummy up, and they put it in the chair, <laughs> which I thought was great. Here, I'm going to look up how many attempts a game did Tim Couch have. Let me see here. 50, 553 divided by 12 the following year. He threw it 46 times a game in 98. I'm sure in 97 it was similar numbers. But in 97, they beat Louisville in that first game. But, you know, they're kind of mulling around. The only significant wins. They went at Indiana. They beat the snot out. They of don't even come close to Tennessee or Florida. No, 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 no. They beat their FCS team. They beat Vandy. And uh, they have that big Alabama win. That's their one kind of big, shining moment. But it's fun. It's entertaining. And like First it, time they beat Alabama ever. Oh, oh is uh, in hell. I should know this. 47 years? 63 years? It was since like World Let's War II or something. Let's see that here. Man, and you know, here's the thing, folks. I did some stats research. I didn't do as much as I probably should have. That's why we have the internet. 37-1-2 and two all time. Kentucky's last win over Alabama was in 1922. Yes. So, quite a delay <laughs> between <laughs> wins, to say the least. Goalposts go down. So, you know what? Everybody's thinking, hey, this is good. We can build off of that early, early success. Just... We can add to this. 1998 comes around, and it's the best year of Kentucky football in quite some time. Cats are 7-4 and four in the regular season. They win at Louisville, score 68 in the first game at Cardinal Stadium, Papa John's Cardinal Stadium. 
And that is like a on a hot, hot day for Molecule. Oh, burn your ass trying to sit down mm-hmm. those red, hot red seats. Before they were pink. <laughs> <laughs> and you're thinking like, oh, this is something here. This is something. When at LSU. Yeah, with uh, Gary Jer- Gary Donardo. Jerry Donardo. Jerry Donardo. It's then, Jerry with a G, mm-hmm. which is a horrible name. Then the next week they host number – Seth Hansen kicks a field goal at the buzzer. Mm-hmm. Yep. Next week they host Georgia, number 11 in the country. They lose a close game. Man, that was the game that if they win that, like – Yeah. I mean, they lost 28-26. You win that and you can't really say anything bad about them because here's just some numbers right here, folks. Tim Couch and that year uh, – <laughs> 7.8 yards an attempt. That's pretty good on how, I mean, on a lot of throws. Yeah, on 50, no, that was 46 passes a game. Three touchdowns and 356 yards per game. Mm-hmm. 36-15 TD on T ratio, 153.3 QB rating. All pretty. That's why he was a Heisman contender. I, I mean, mean, 72% completions. Broke all of the SEC records up to that point. Craig Yeast. So, so what's funny here too, Lucky, is their success was all predicated upon Couch throwing to Craig East, who measured at five seven and a half at the NFL Combine. Five seven and a half, little old Craig East. He was the all-time SEC leader in receptions when his career was done. He had two oh eight that senior year. He had thirteen hundred receiving yards, and he wasn't the only. I mean, he was the main guy, but like Anthony White had. Running back Anthony White. Running back Anthony White. He almost had as many rushes as he had receptions. He had 78 catches, 97 rushes. That's that's that Mike Leach recipe. Now, you have to remember at this time, Mike Leach was offensive coordinator. Mm -hmm. And then he, when he left, was the Dusty Bonner year. And then he wasn't there for the Dusty Bonner year or Jared Lorenzen's first year. So, he just got the first two years and then goes to Oklahoma. And, of course, he got the couch years. Yeah. Um, And he made the most of it. Um, because, like you said, Couch ended up becoming uh, a Heisman Trophy finalist, the first ever in program history. UK, they were ranked 11th in scoring offense. Okay, 35.9 points a game. Let me just read off some of their scores. 68 against Louisville, 52 EKU, 31 against Indiana. They only beat Indiana by four. Uh, Indiana went 4-7 and seven that year. Yeah, not good. Uh, 35 points uh, – Against Florida. Uh, they scored 20 against Arkansas, and that was their season low, besides the, the bowl game against Pittsburgh. And that they quoted Mike Leach. He's been quoted on this saying, what's the loudest stadium you've ever been in? And it was that Arkansas game, at because that was at their Little Rock Stadium. That's yep. not their actual stadium. He said it's nothing but concrete. It was loud. Lost 27 It was a night game down there. Yeah. But, I mean, they're putting up some crazy numbers all year long. But on the flip side, defense, non-existent. Yeah, Jeff Snedeker's mustache out there trying to mm-hmm. tackle folks. Gave up 31 points a game. 94th out of 112 teams. When I was looking at this, though, like – Sorry, Dor. <laughs> their rushing numbers, defense, are not good. But they're, I thought they were going to be awful. They're not awful. They were just bad at everything. <laughs> they just sucked at everything. But the running – like the run numbers are not like awful. So I was, I was a little – Surprised by that when I started doing some numbers some digging. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Still, though, this was all offense, mm-hmm. no defense. But it was, like you said, it was a lot of fun. I remember vividly, there's a sound that Commonwealth Stadium would make. And it was when Tim Couch would wind up and he'd go for one of those go routes. 
you would hear everybody stand up at once. It was like a, I mean, I, I wish I could replicate it whatsoever at all, but it's very vivid in my mind. The sta- the sound of people standing up, and then you'd hear a, a collective gasp. It was either a, ah, touchdown, Kentucky, and they'd fire up the air sirens, or it would be a, oh, all at once, an incompletion. And, I mean, it was so much fun, and the stands were packed. Like, folks, there were more people going to these games than there were in the last two years because the games were on tape delay. You couldn't watch any on TV. Mm-hmm. So you had to go. And, you know, sweet. So people were tailgating all day. It was an event, and it was a lot of fun. Every game was a sellout that year. Every home game. <laughs> it was, 98. It was a lot of fun. 98th air raid. Tim Couch goes to the Heisman Trophy ceremony, and he got beat out by a guy who deserved to win. Believe it or not. I cried and said they cheated, but Ricky Williams broke all the rushing records. <laughs> so, like – Texas running back breaks all-time rushing records. He's going to win. With the, the visor. Oh, yeah. He was scary. Before man. he went crazy. Well, <laughs> probably a little crazy at the time. But Kentucky's going to the Outback Bowl, and my favorite thing, look, at, they bring this out every once in a while before the bowl season. Harold Leader will publish a picture. But you've got Couch with his uh, Hawaiian shirt on, and he's got, like, uh, him and Yeast. They're, they're, they're get, it's like they're tourists getting ready to go down. Uh, to the bowl game and the Outback Bowl where I guess Kentucky, they didn't lose that game. If you go back in the record books. Didn't win it either. Nope, didn't win it either. <laughs> um, fall to Penn State in the bowl game. And that was that was the peak of the air raid at UK. Now, we had the sirens for a little bit longer. We still had good quarterback play for a while. But at that moment in time, Kentucky – was the passing capital of college football. They had Tim Couch, the number one overall pick in the NFL draft, a Heisman finalist, throwing for 350 yards a game, unlike anything college football has ever seen before. And you saw other teams start to pick up on it. Spreads kind of, you know, the spread offense became a norm, to, to the point Nick Saban was even running it 20 years later, to a certain extent. But, as the farther we've gone along, the less and less Kentucky's looked like it. Mm-hmm. And the la- last year we saw the antithesis. <laughs> the exact opposite. <laughs> I know. We, we all know the story all too well. Um, Terry Wilson gets hurt. Uh, you have other people uh, go down. Sorry, you, you, you throw your wide receiver in at quarterback, and you say, you know what, we're going to run the damn ball. And play defense. And mm-hmm. Kentucky had – And punt. The fourth best – Rushing offense in America behind only the middle t- military academies are running triple options, averaging 277.8 yards per game. They broke the school single-game rushing record three times in consecutive games. I believe. Actually, I don't think they broke it in the Buck Bowl. So just twice in a row. Had 400 yards against the Louisville. They were running up to score against the Louisville by just running the ball every single play. They only had one pass attempt one pass on a attempt. flea flicker. 0 for 1. And they did it by running the damn ball, playing defense. Second best pass defense, 167 yards a game. 14th in scoring, 19.3 points a game. And 20th in total defense. It was the exact opposite from what we saw 22 years prior. And it produced similar results. Each team had seven wins in the regular season. Kentucky and uh, Mark Stoops had the benefit of an FCS game um, to help get them there. Um, but everybody has that benefit. 
They had we had an extra. There was only a lot. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Regular set season games back in '98 though. But they still they played in F. Did they play in FCS? They played yep. Northeast uh, Louisiana too. Okay. Which is that? Is that two FCS teams? Northeast Louisiana. No, they. Uh, are we talking about '98? Oh, I got my '97s and '98. Okay, okay. Up. Yeah, '98 they played EKU. Is yeah. there one? Indiana though might as well be FCS. Mm-hmm. So, um, <laughs> but you got a similar outcome by doing things completely different. Which one is better, Adam Luckett? That's a it's a it's a terrible question to ask because I'm putting you on the spot. But I think that it's a fun conversation to have. How the hell did we get here? Uh-huh. And it, it's it was still effective. If you're just looking at long term, like if you're building a football team program, we've seen this offense, the the staples of it, everybody uses now. So. To me, that's the answer because you had like because how the game's going to win a national championship to win big, you have to be able to throw vertically. You have to be able to create explosives with the pass game to to win at that level. I think we're seeing that's why Kirby Smart just went and hired a new offense coordinator. You've seen that Saban was he had the statement said if this this is what y'all want the game to be, I'll do it. And then he went and did it. Now yep. you're seeing him do it. Joe Brady, look what he did with Joe Burrow mm-hmm. last year. So that's that. That's what you have to have to win. I think it's you have to be able to, you know, open the open the playbook, throw it vertically down the field, and create explosive plays. And that's what the air raid has brought to the game. It's made made football stretch the field, play you've got space. To, you've got exactly. You've got to cover more ground. Mm-hmm. You're using hundred yards instead of just uh, forty mm-hmm. by just running the ball. Every now, time. what we just saw from Kentucky, like part of me wonders. What if someone just went all in on offense like this? Like, that's what they, they did. I mean, we see it with Navy and Army, but I'm talking about, like, a real team. Kind of, like, similar to Oklahoma where they were ROP, run option pass, mm-hmm. kind of with Jalen Hurts. Yes. But, that, yeah, that that's kind of – I mean, Oklahoma and Kentucky were running very similar offenses last year. Mm-hmm. Oklahoma was throwing it more, obviously. Right, right, right. But they were very similar. So, like, what would happen if a, a middle-of-the-road team just went all in on it? And just record, re- recruited badasses on the O line that could run block, mm-hmm. a couple tight ends, and just found a a guy that played quarterback that everybody else wanted to play receiver, and just be like, "Hey, you can come here and play quarterback." That could really like what would yeah. like what would happen? I don't know. I'll be interested to see if anybody tries that because what Kentucky did, it was like, "Whoa!" Now let's say Kentucky's not doing it this year, but let's say another team does it next year and ends mm-hmm. up having like. More success. Yeah. Because defenses now are building to be in sub packages. Right, right. To rush the passer off the edge with athletes and to stop the passing game. Play with they're five getting small they're getting yeah. smaller. So is this like the answer to that? The it's steering against the skid, right away. Going against the grain. I think what this year showed it I think from a long term standard, like yes, you're right, uh, in that you do have to uh, be able to stretch out the field to win at a high level. But I think from sustaining like this seven, eight, nine win pattern, the priority on defense I think has to come first in a league like the SEC. Because if you don't have Tim Couch, a Heisman finalist yeah. quarterback, then That's another thing too. Like the success mummy had they had the best player, arguably, in Kentucky football history. Yeah, like it, 
when you have a guy who broke the national high school football passing record for yards and touchdowns, it it cures a lot of ill wills. I mean, it'd be nice to see you like like he talked about going to Tennessee. It would have been like what would he have done with like Tennessee kind of weapons? You know what I mean? Like, no offense, Craig East, but like that's who he was dealing with. Hell, even the guys now. What would Couch have done with those guys now? Just mm-hmm. so that that's something to think about. But on the flip side, I mean, Lynn Bowden would have been a Heisman finalist if they did this all year. Absolutely. He would have been there. So both teams had that kind of star people, power. Some people try to make him one. Even at the end of the mm-hmm. year. If he would have just had – if he would have just started a South Carolina game, if they just would have went in that game and started him yeah. or put him in at halftime, he might he might have done it. Especially two weeks earlier in the season, mm-hmm. too, where you can get a little bit more buzz. Because uh, the defense was good enough to win that. All they needed was – if they would have got to – because South Carolina was stuck on 17 the whole game, and they had that late touchdown when Kentucky was gassed. Mm-hmm. If Kentucky just plays offense and they can get a couple scores, like a couple touchdowns, they got a really they would have had a really good chance to win that game. I think, to put it plainly, air raid versus Bowden ball. Bowden ball is not as exciting. It doesn't have the flash that the air raid brings. It doesn't have the the, I mean the stats this year were insane, but it really doesn't jump off the page quite like the air raid. The gimmick just isn't as fun, running the ball and playing defense. But the floor is so much higher when you can control the ball and play good defense. And I think that's what Mark Stoops has done with this program. He's raised the floor. Whereas Kentucky, I mean, they really maxed out with those seven wins with Mummy in those first three years, like five win season, seven win season, six win season. Like, I don't think you can max out much more than that. Even if you took that now and you recruited at a better level, because that's one thing that Stoops has done much better than Mummy. I mean, hell, Claude Bassett was cheating and couldn't get good guys to come mm-hmm. to UK. Even if they had that, like, I still don't know what the ceiling is on the air. Like, what, I, I, you know. I want to say this. For Kentucky to reach that next level and to be a program that wins double-digit games, gets to Atlanta – they're going to have to have a quarterback that can throw the ball vertically, and they're going to have to have receivers that can make one-on-one plays. They're going to have to create explosives in the passing game. Because against the best teams, like we saw against Georgia this past year, they're going to stop that run. They're just going to stop it. Yeah. You have to be able to make one-on-one plays in space. That's just the bottom line. you got to have – sometimes you got to have the dude that's a difference maker that's catching the snaps from center. Yeah. And they had that. Mummy had that. Yep. And really, Woodson, I think, is the only one – else in that argument, the guy that can just make plays from from the pocket mm-hmm. with his arm. Now, with that said, I think mum, that mummy era, I think, kind of, I don't know, I, I wonder, I, sometimes I wonder if it did more bad than good for Kentucky. Now, is this your your takes that you, yes. you were saving up? Because I've been waiting to hear some Adam Luckett era takes. Because as fun as those two years were, as fun as they were, they won seven games. They won seven games. And when they lost, would have been eight and four in a in a uh, modern day schedule. And when they lost, they got their ass kicked. They weren't fifty one e- to thirty five was a close loss. They to weren't Florida, and that wasn't a close. I mean, yeah, it, it Florida was, probably could have scored seventy if you go back and watch that game. I mean, they lost fifty nine to twenty. With that said, Florida and Tennessee at that at this time, yeah, they were the like Tennessee won the national t- title in ninety eight, and they barely beat. I mean, that they were legit national championship contenders. But they they didn't. I mean, he didn't beat Georgia either. That's 
Mm-hmm. So, and Georgia was kind of, they were probably more like a modern day, let's see here, like Auburn is right now, I would say. Maybe yeah. a little bit lower. Up, up and down, yeah. So, so I wonder, because then the probation happens, and then they Kentucky kind of gets in this rut where they ha they wanna they wanna throw the ball. They wanna where Mark Stoops has to hire an area guy when he gets the job. Yeah. Like that was like they had to do that because that they thought that's the only way to win. And I think one thing in common Rich Brooks and Mark Stoops has proven is to win and I'm not even talking about just to like win at a big lot. I'm talking about just to like make bowl games consistently, be competitive, be salty. You don't have to like you can just play straight up. Like you don't have to have this gimmick. Kentucky doesn't have to run around to win game. Like it's. I mean, the best teams have the best defense. Uh, Brooks's team with Woodyard, Jarman, right. like. Well, the, you had the weapons on the offensive side of the ball. Your Andre Woodsons, mm-hmm. your Rafael Littles, but the the defense is what really helped them win games. Oh six, oh seven. Brooks won with offense heavy teams. Oh eight, oh nine, he won with defensive heavy teams. Yeah, like he won both. Now, now oh seven was obviously the cream of the crop. Yeah, in in oh seven too, they get they did give up a lot of points. Um, like mm-hmm. I think part of that too is the offensive style they played. They right. didn't really help their defense that much, but they 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 had a lot of talented guys that made the plays they needed to to win the games. Mm-hmm. But the, I just think that I think Mummy Ball essentially the air raid. One, I think. It took a big step back when Leach left. Mm-hmm. I think Mummy gets credit for this offensive tree, and he should. But the majority of those branches are branching off Mike Leach. Right, right. And I think it's fair to say, like, he was maybe the brains of the operation at this point. Well, and because also... Mu- Leach talks about how, when he was with Hal, Hal was insistent on using a tight end. Like, we have to have a tight end, and I want two back sets and all this. And Leach, when he got to Oklahoma and Texas Tech. Took the gloves off. He said, to hell with this. We're going four wide. And that way I'm going to have one back, and he's that back's going to have – either they're not going to cover him or he's going to be in one-on-ones all the time, and we'll use that as an extension of the run game, which is what Kentucky did. But we also have to remember defensive coaches – didn't really have sub packages back then. No, 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 no. They were, re- you know, what I'm saying yeah, it, yeah. it was all you were built on stopping the power run game. So you had the personnel to stop that. You had monster linebackers with shorter pads that weighed 800 pounds. They went up to pass their ears. Go back and watch. <laughs> I mean, just go Google like YouTube 1998 Tennessee versus Florida. It's funny to watch them, run and that's around. why Spurrier had a lot of success too because they weren't they just weren't ready for that these. Mm-hmm. At that time, and Mummy came in just at the right time because it was, it was what Spurrier run and shoot. It was that on steroids. I yeah. mean, they were just going all in. They never run the ball at all. Right. I mean, I get you know they would run it at times. Sprinkle times, it but... in there here or there. Right. Now right. Leach went the whole. I mean, he went even less. I mean, than that running the ball. And he's still that way to this day. Mm-hmm. But I just think the Mummy era. I think people in our minds are too much like it's romanticized. Rom- yes, it's a perfect word for it. It's too like people talk about how great it was, and. It wasn't – people back then were like, can't stop a nosebleed. You know, you still – like, <laughs> that's what people were talking about back then. You can't stop nobody. Can't win. Like, and I think it, it gets too – I think we talk too highly of that. I think we should talk more highly of, like, the Rich Brooks era mm-hmm. of pulling Kentucky out of the gutter, facing a lot of heat, fixing it, proving – and that was without even recruiting. Like, Mark yeah. Stoops has taken it to a different level 
talent-wise. But Brooks proving, like, hey, if you get a good group and you get coaches that know what the hell they're doing and we have a plan and we hit on a few guys, you can make bowl games here. You can do it. That's a realistic, realistic goal. And now, I mean, really, the I think the uh, – how to sum up this conversation, though, is to say that you can't – be the cream of the crop by just doing one or the other. Mm-hmm. You've got to have a little bit of both. And this 2020 Kentucky football team, they're built for it. They really are. They know it. They're selling that. Mm-hmm. Now it's just a matter of putting it all together, getting consistent play out of the passing game. You got the guns there. You just got to be able to consistently fire. You don't even have to hit a bullseye every time. But if you can – be within range, and you can just put that defense on their heels enough. Control that ball, play good defense. This team can go very far. And one thing this team has, and it's the thing I think Mummy realized, we need some Jimmys and Joes. Like, we got to get some ball players in here. And he was having success. They just got caught with their hand in the cookie jar. They were, Claude was just a little too aggressive. In driving, driving around in that golf cart. So, I think that's one thing Mummy did realize – but it just it got away from them fast, really fast. Whew. Well, too fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But now, like you're right, you have to have you got to be able to do both. It would get be... you get you get you a girl that can do it both. Is that what they say? Oh, a girl instead mm-hmm. of actually, you would want a guy because they're head coach, right? Well, I'm talking it's about a man who can do both. Yeah. That was what a female would say. Get you a man that can do both. That yeah. can. We were saying that about our man that's okay. going to coach. Fine. Yeah, Fine. look, you're wrong. I'm right. right, damn it. Mm-hmm. I win this. But, yeah, Stoops has proven, like, he's got, like, it took him a while. But now that this defense is ready to hum, I think, for the foreseeable it's, it's future. It's going to be fun. So, now it's just about offense. It's about Eddie Grant's proven. He can Show make, us what you got, Eddie. He can make chicken salad out of chicken shit. <laughs> now he just – now he needs to take it a little bit higher, a higher yeah. tier salad, salad. Yeah. And to do that, you got to have – play behind center. you got to have a guy that can make the throws vertically down the field. And the receivers that can go up and make plays. Time for Terry Touchdown. It's happening this fall, folks. Get ready. Get set. And I'm going to go get some food. That chicken salad sounds delicious right now. That Eddie Green's Hotel. Thank you all for listening to this. This has been a lot of fun. Uh, well, something different and a lot of big picture stuff. We're not going anywhere as of yet. Well, actually, we might be going somewhere because I'm going to be having a baby oh, that's true. in the very near future. 11 personnel in the waiting room of yeah. Northern Women's Children. So, so who kn- <laughs> we're not exactly sure when we will return, uh, but we will keep you posted. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, until next time, just remember, go Cats, go Crocus.